Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. How are you all holding up? I hope you have been listening to this mini series and listening to it more than once if you need to, which you probably do, and starting to get some control of your brain and your emotional resilience. We've talked a lot about what is different now with this pandemic and with our new reality and how quickly things have changed. And we've talked a lot about what is the same. And one of the things that I have really seen in myself and in my clients and that I've mentioned in different ways over the last few episodes is the way in which our new circumstances, of course, are not creating new thoughts and feelings, but more they are not just turning the volume up on old thoughts and feelings, which I have mentioned before, but I really think that it's almost acting like a mirror for all the work that we have been trying to avoid and now have to confront. That is really what I have been seeing as the weeks have ticked by and the kind of initial flush of panic is winding down for some people, although of course it may be ebbing up for some others depending on kind of where you live and what is going on around you or what's happening with you you or your family or your health or whatever. So it's not at all to say like, oh, people should be over their negative emotion by now. That is of course not what I mean. But I do think like when our circumstances change, we have this initial kind of reaction. And then as the dust starts to settle a little and we start to adapt, I think what we're seeing so much is on a social level and on an individual level that this disruption is a time of reckoning with the patterns that we have, right? The the dysfunctional patterns that we have been enduring in ourselves and in our society, right? And I think you know, you can see that happening on a social level with all of the kind of features of health disparity and wealth inequality and the ways whose kind of health is more on the line now and access to healthcare and who we depend on to keep society functioning, right? All of these kind of social problems that we have been ignoring. I mean, I have not been ignoring, you may not have been ignoring, we have been thinking about and working on them, but just as a society, we haven't resolved yet, let's say, not necessarily ignored, but hadn't resolved. And I think on an individual level, that's happening too, right? And that's what this podcast is really about, our own thought work. So the way that I see that relevant to us individually is that I think that any work that we have been avoiding with ourselves is no longer avoidable, right? We are now in a situation where we are thrown back much more on our own internal resources. We cannot just go out and party to distract ourselves. We can't go to the office to distract ourselves, right? And some places we can't even go outside to distract ourselves. Like so many of our distractions or even just not, you know, your job isn't necessarily a distraction, but just the things that used to occupy your time have just been reduced, right? And we are now many of us at home and alone with ourselves, or if we're not at home, if you are an essential worker and you're still going to work, the same thing is still true emotionally, right? Whatever patterns were going on for you, whatever 
work you had been getting away with not doing on yourself, right, is now being heightened, I think. I think we are all now just not as able to ignore whatever was going on in our brains before. All of the dysfunctional patterns we had, all of the kind of anxieties that we weren't dealing with, that we were just trying to escape or ignore, all of the self-sabotaging or procrastination that we were depending on external structures to keep us going. Like what I really see is that this change, this social and public health and economic crisis is a mirror that is showing each of us the work that we've been trying to escape. And that has been really powerful for me to see and so powerful for my students in the clutch and all of the members that I have been coaching to see, you know, yes, a lot has changed outside of us, but also what we're being called to address internally is the same, right? And whatever problems you had before this pandemic are the same problems you have now, only now the volume dial has been turned all the way up in your mind. And so that is painful, of course, right? But it's also such an opportunity. Like to me, this is the time now more than ever that we need to get a hold of our brains and manage our minds and learn how to increase our emotional resilience, right? And a lot of the ways that I think people are trying to care for themselves during this time there's nothing wrong with them, of course. Like, I'm 100% in favor of like napping and taking it easy sometimes, right? It's not about endless productivity. But I do think that a lot of the ways that we try to care for ourselves always and now are really just escapism and not true building of emotional resilience. And I think, like, what could be more of a wake up call than this current moment to show us all of the ways that we have? not built that emotional resilience that we need, that we have not learned how to manage our minds yet. And now that's such an amazing opportunity to do so, right? You know, however much we resist reality, it's different now. Things have changed. Our lives are going to look different for many of us. And maybe it's for a few months and maybe it's a year and a half and maybe it's forever, right? And so how the question is always, how can we best prepare ourselves to surf the waves of whatever is coming, right? And I really think thought work and learning to manage your mind, learning how to create the positive emotions you want on purpose and how to handle and process the negative emotions that we don't necessarily want but are a part of life and how to be resourceful and be resilient and tap into that human spirit that has gotten people through so many challenging times, like that is our work now. And that is really what I think thought work is all about. So today, what you're going to get to listen to is some live coaching that I think exemplifies all of this. And the three coaching sessions you're going to get to listen to, I think you will see and you will see so much of yourself in them. You will also see the ways in which all of the people being coached just like me and just like you are experiencing coming to a reckoning and a confronting with themselves of the kinds of thoughts and patterns and belief systems and self-sabotage and actions that they were trying to sort of escape or distract themselves from 
or just change before. I do. I think you know one of the reasons this is such an opportunity is that often we take all this action to try to change our circumstances, right, to feel differently. We try to change where our body physically is in space or who's around us or who we're talking to or where we're working or whatever it is. And now a lot of those options are not available to us <laughs> to change our circumstances anymore. And that is why we're really being thrown back on, I think, our own emotional work. I mean, I've definitely noticed that I feel, compared to the people I see around me, I feel much calmer. And I don't think that it's, you know, I've had my own health anxieties during this time. I've been sick for part of it. And of course, my amygdala lost its shit, <laughs> right? And I have family members who are high risk. And, you know, so it's not, of course, it's not my circumstances. But I think that having done thought work for so long now, such a daily practice, I feel so rooted and grounded in myself and in my ability to handle whatever comes my way that you can change where I physically am or not. You can change the economic circumstances, you can change whatever's around me, but I don't get shaken off the board by those waves. And I think that's why this is such an opportunity for those of us who still have work to do there. And of course, I still have work to do too. We all do, right? But an opportunity to really engage with what this time is showing us about what is going on with our brains so that we can come out the other side of it stronger and more resilient and more focused and more empowered, right? I mean, crisis has a way of clarifying things. That's kind of a truism for a reason. People have a near-death experience and all of a sudden they understand what's important in life and what they want to do. We're now having a social collective near-death experience. And I think when we can be brave and really engage with that and not just hide and try to pretend everything's going to go back to normal immediately, but really grapple with the questions of what we're doing with our lives and is this what we want to be doing with our lives and how are we engaging with ourselves and others and how are we living consciously and with intention or not, that is such an opportunity. And it's a some maybe a messy, chaotic opportunity. That's what all transformation is like. So you're going to hear in these three coaching sessions exactly that. And of course, I want you to listen to them regardless of whether each of these particular circumstances resonates with you because it's always the thought patterns. But you'll see that we really cover a lot of ground. We cover coaching on living with other people you can't control during this time or any time, right? And cover procrastination and how we're using our time right now, whether we're able to get things done and kind of black and white, all or nothing thinking. And we cover really intense health anxiety and how to deal with intrusive thoughts about our health and other people's health and how to kind of grapple with those thoughts and realities. So I hope that you find these helpful. If you want to get some coaching yourself, The Clutch is the place to do it. You can come join us in The Clutch. I'm doing extra coaching every week in The Clutch for my Clutch members, live coaching calls just like the one you're hearing. We're doing those every week. We have an Ask the Coaches feature where you can submit for coaching in written form and you get coaching back in just a couple of days. We have an amazing Facebook community where you can post anytime day or night, and usually get some feedback from your chickens within hours. We have people all over the world in there who are really stepping up to help and support each other and manage their minds during this time and anytime, and a million other amazing resources too. Workbooks on every issue you can think of, and a whole special section on pandemic resources and how to cope with this crisis. So if you want to come check us out there, 
It's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or just listen through to the end of the episode. And when you hear the outro music, if you stay on, I explain how you can just text us to get the link. All right, let's take it away with the coaching. Okay, success. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So give everybody the short version. Oh, gosh. Okay, the short version. (laughs) The three sentence version, because I know you can do a three hour one, I'm sure. (laughs) That's right. And, And I was so proud of myself because I gave you the three sentence version. It, the three sentence version is I'm in the middle of a divorce. My husband mm-hmm. is an alcoholic and mm-hmm. we are living in lockdown land. We are mm-hmm. in the same house together with two teenage girls. And I said, is it possible to live my best life when in close proximity to somebody who's, I mean, people always impact us. So with somebody whose actions and behaviors impact me on a daily, regular basis. Okay. So let's answer that question. There's a lot of parts to that, right? Let's just start with this. How would we know if you're living your best life? Like, do we get a memo of some kind? How are we going to know? That's a great question. And when I filled out your coaching form, I was like, oh, Cara's going to totally call me out on that. (laughs) So I was like, like, I can do this. I know what's going to happen here. (laughs) Yeah. So how do we know? Yeah. So (laughs) I I put some notes together. Um, Okay. So my best life is connection with inspiring people that that are also pushing themselves to grow and expand Mm -hmm. a steady stream of adventure and risk-taking and creativity um Mm -hmm. growing into a leader for my industry and my community surrounding myself with support and joy and memorable experiences for myself and my girls and i guess the one the only thing in there that feels like it might be a okay i can't do this with somebody else in my vicinity mm-hmm. is having a choice of who's in my circle and who's not. Okay. Let's just start with the basics. Cause I know you think that this thought about living your best life is like a really great inspiring thought, mm-hmm. but I just want to see what's actually happening with it. When you okay. think I need to be living my best life right now, how do you feel? I guess I don't think of it as I need to be okay. living my best life. What's the thought? The thought is what is my best life? And okay. is it well, possible in these circumstances? But isn't that so interesting? You're like, I don't know what it is, but I'm still pretty sure it's not possible in this situation, right? Because like, let's think about this. The whole reason you're asking this question is that your brain is telling you it's not possible to live my best life in this situation. Right. That's the only reason we have the question. I'm not like, is it possible to do my job right now? My thought is that it is, Okay. Right? So okay. your brain is telling you it's not possible to live my best life in this situation, right? But yet- you- I would say my best life does not include that person. Yeah, but your real life now does. Right. So you get to decide if you want to keep thinking that your best life doesn't. You think your best life is like a real thing outside of you. You're like, I have a five-factor test, and if right. all these factors are met, then I am allowed to think this is my best life. Mm-hmm. And it sounds super inspiring, except your right. current, let's put, let's like think about it like this. If somebody was like, my best life is I have to be on safari in Africa. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. right, da- right now I'm under legal obligation to be in this igloo and I cannot <laughs> be in safari on Africa. I have to be somewhere very cold right now. I have to live in an ice building and I can't be on the plains. Right. Right. So I'm is aware that, that my best life is in here. a thought for that person. 
Yeah. I, well, I, I know you're saying that, but I yeah. don't think you are because, because you're also telling me that you can't live your best life when you are in the circumstance you're in. I get what you're saying. And I do struggle with that. Like I do like, just live it, just be it, just have it, you know, because mm-hmm. it might not be excelling at your job. It might be just getting out and walking the dog today. That might be my best. Okay, that's not today. what I'm saying at all. Okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. Here's what I'm saying. You have an idea of what your best life is mm-hmm. and you think that that's a, a real thing. Like you're like, I've come up with this idea and so that makes it true that that's my best life. Okay. I'm believing my own thought. Okay. So you are believing I've come up with this idea of my best life and this is a useful and empowering thought for me. And okay. what I want to suggest to you is that when your definition involves something that is in contrast with current reality that you can't change right now, mm-hmm. that thought is not actually helpful to you. I think a lot of the things that I put down when I challenge myself, like what is it that I actually Mm -hmm. want are part of my Mm -hmm. life right now. But I hear you that I'm using it to make myself feel shitty about what's going on right now. I think like to feel like I'm not enough or it's not enough. I want you to just don't worry about coaching yourself. (laughs) Just, I just want you to think about it this way. If what you've decided, let's, let's just, Put this on the side for one second. Why are you staying in the house with your ex-husband and your kids? Because he won't leave. And now we've, we're in this, I'm staying here because I've decided that that's my choice around the pandemic and what I can do to be healthy and keep okay. my community healthy. Okay. So that's what you've chosen. So why would you want to believe that that isn't part of your best life? Since that is the choice you've made right now and this is the life you have right now. I don't think that that choice is not part of my best life. I think that having to be near him is not part of my best life. No, that, no, 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 no. You do think that because you're saying I've made the choice to live with this person and then I'm telling myself that living with this person means I can't have live my best life. Okay, so I've got two competing thoughts going on. Right, you're like, I've chosen this, but then I'm telling myself that this is incompatible with my best life. And what I want to offer you is that you get to decide what your best life is. And so it's so, why of all the thoughts we could have about your current life would we want to choose this choice I've made that I'm not going to change is incompatible with having my best life. Can I ask a related question? Because part of this feels like it's out of my control. His behavior is out of your control, but your thoughts about whether you are living your best life are within your control. Okay. You're like, I have a vision of my best life. It doesn't match my circumstances. So I guess I can't live my best life. Right. And I'm saying, no, you have a vision of your best life. It doesn't match the choice you've made. You don't want to change. Let's revise the vision of your best life. Like that's just an optional thought. Right, right, right. Why don't we decide this is your best life? Okay. And not worry about his behavior. My best life controlling it. has nothing to do with whether you can live your best life. You have the terms of the question wrong. You're like, okay. can I live my best life, which is a real thing, with this alcoholic in the house who I can't control? And I'm saying that 
whether or not something is your best life is not a, that's not a true checklist we have. And we have to be like, I don't know, can we do X with an alcoholic in the house? Can we do Y with an alcoholic in the house? It's like, you have this checklist of things for your best life. And then you want, your brain wants to be like, well, you can't do number three with an alcoholic in the house. So then you can't live your best life. And I'm saying you could decide my best life is the life where I have chosen to stay home during a pandemic with my alcoholic husband and our children. This is my best life. Mm. I'm going to think of this as my best life and look for all the ways that this is my best life and that any kind of learning, you want to talk about risk and growth and adventure? Let's talk about the emotional work you get to do while living at home with your soon-to-be ex-husband and your kids during a global pandemic. Sure. Plenty of growth and work to do there. Plenty of connection to work on, right, with your kids or other people. Yeah. So it's so important to understand the distinction between your original question was, my best life is a real thing, and can I do it with him here? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, no, your best life is a totally imaginary thing you made up, and why would you want to make one up? So that's what I would be curious with yourself about. Okay. Yeah, like do some work on like your story about him and why it's a problem. And just like be curious. I mean, I think sometimes, I don't know, you'll have to see. There's a lot of different reasons, but there's something going on where you, it's like you want to fight for the idea that he can negatively impact you. Mm -hmm. And so I think you just want to be like curious with yourself about why that is. Okay, right. And and why are you, why do you want that to be the case? Yes, I've been working on that a lot. So I will keep working on it. Yeah. So that's fine. And there's still more work to do. But the good news is now we know you are living your best life. You can choose to believe that if you want, right? (laughs) Of course, it's just a thought. You get to choose, right? I don't have a certificate either for what your best life is. I love that. But I just want to encourage you, right? You get to decide to believe this is your best life. And I think if you really practice believing that, it would illuminate some of this other stuff for you too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so All great right. too. You just flipped it, like you just fl- like just believe you're living your lo- best life. Just know. know that you are. That's awesome. <laughs> I, and I'm Usually, so the answer in coaching is it's the opposite of whatever you think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that. I, you were great and brave to go first. I know. Yeah, well, okay. I, I love it. Thank Bye, you so Casey. much. Good. You're welcome. All right, you are up. Hi. Hi. Oh All right. <laughs> We're talking about health anxiety, which I think a lot of people on the call will relate to. So yeah, it's been pretty bad lately. All right. Um, So let's talk about it. Well, I think I've always had some sort of level of anxiety. And after my son was born in 2016, it kind of got really bad about my health. Mm -hmm. Fears of just dying and passing away and him not, me not being there for him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, with everything that's been going on lately, it's been really hard not to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how to like get out of my brain because then I have anxiety about it. And I literally started having palpitations. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And it's just no, this okay. endless cycle of me freaking out that I'm going to die randomly. Mm-hmm. And I have these horrible images that'll pop into my brain. Like I'm walking him in a wagon and I, literally have like an image of me just collapsing over and, and dying and I don't know okay. how to make it stop. Okay. So I think we got to start with the anxiety when you start to feel anxious. So you have that image, start to feel anxious. And then what do you think? Well, I, I try to just kind of put it out of my brain. I, I really try not to think about it. If I yeah. have that image, 
I try not to process it. And I, I don't think that's making matters. No, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that helps. Right. No. Because if you think about it from your brain's perspective, your brain, even though it's like misfiring a little bit, maybe it thinks it's trying to help you. Right. Yeah. Your brain is like, just so you know, this could happen. I mean, my job is to tell you all the things that could happen. And this is one of them. Right. right. So when you try to shove it away, you're like, basically like, la, 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 I can't hear you. Right. Yeah. And some of our brains, some people maybe are good at compartmentalizing. I have never been one of them. My brain is like, oh, you can't hear me. So I should scream. I should be louder. Right. Which is what's right. happening with you. Right. Yeah, well, and that's yeah. and it'll be an endless. If it, if the day starts out good and I don't have anything, it's an easy to manage day. But then if if those images occur or if my fears pop up, and I just try to ignore it, I'll I'll try to stay busy or I end up literally sitting on the couch un unfunctionable. Just yeah, because you're putting so it. much energy into trying to get away from this thing, right? right. But what if let's just imagine that somebody could say to you like, and know for sure, like, listen, half your days in life going to be great. You're not going to have this problem, but half the days you're just going to have these thoughts sometimes. Yeah. And you can't get rid of them. They're just going to be there. Right. Like what if it was okay that your brain did this? Well, I mean, that's part of it is accepting it that it's, I'm not crazy that it's just something that my brain does, I guess. Yeah. And what then, if it turned out we all have these thoughts? Well, that would probably make me feel a lot better. Okay. That's so important but, though, right? What would you think if I told you, which is hundred percent true that whenever I'm driving around like, and there's like a ravine or my brain's like the car could just go over. And I'm yeah. like, why would I do that? My brain's like, I don't know, but it could happen. Yeah. Okay. I've had thanks those too. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that update. Yeah. But what, it but so that. tell me what your <laughs> thought is. If you know that I have those thoughts too, <laughs> How does that change what you're thinking about yourself? Well, that I'm not the only one that has those thoughts and I'm not crazy. Yeah. And I, I, I got to, I don't know, just accept it and let it pass. Yeah. I think you're making it so much more painful for yourself because when the thoughts come up, you're like, oh my God, I'm crazy and there's something wrong with me and this is terrible yeah. and I shouldn't be thinking it, right? Yeah. And there may be people on the call who their health anxiety is new for them in this situation. There may be people like you who've had it, right? But the yeah. same thing applies. The minute that we're like, oh no, not the anxiety. I don't want to feel that. That's a bad feeling. I want it to go away, right? We make it so much worse. Right. As opposed to like, of course our brains are doing this, especially now, right? right. It's like we feed our brains this diet of information and then we're like, I don't know why you're freaking out. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's like, and I've been trying not to watch the news because I realized that was definitely making it worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's like, we are, it's like, we expect our brains to somehow be superhuman. Like this is what's in the air right now. This is what people are talking about. It's in the news. You have a part of your brain that's solely devoted to keeping you alive. So of course it's going to freak out, but we don't have right. to, the part of us that can reason and like watch ourselves, we don't have to join the freak out. How old's your son? That's you said you had a little kid, right? But yeah, this is what I want you to think of. So you have a, he's before. Okay. So like, tell me the last thing he had a meltdown about. <laughs> he was playing with some gross items outside and I told him he had to go in and wash his hands and he didn't want to wash his hands. And did he just so, lose his shit? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. And then did you lose, <laughs> did you lose your shit and start screaming about hands also? No, that one's a pretty regular thing for me, but. Yes. Okay. But wait, so what was your thought about it? So he's freaking out. 
And yeah. you could have been like, oh my God, you're right. Hand washing. This is a nightmare. This is terrible. This is a disaster. And you could have lost your shit too, but you didn't. Cause what was your thought? That he'll, this, he'll calm down and eventually he'll go in and wash his hands. Yeah, yeah. But what if that was right? So what if that was your thought about your own brain when it starts to freak out? That it'll calm down and eventually it'll go yeah. back to being okay and stop yeah. fixating on it. I've never really thought of it that way. Like, what if you could parent that part of your brain the way you parent your son, which is like, okay, I hear you're very upset. This is, I understand. And like, to your son, that's so real, right? Right. Like to us, it seems funny, but to them, they're like, this is hand washing. This is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. It's so horrible (laughs) and I hate it so much, right? And we don't get sucked into it. to, To talk to that part of my brain. Just because my whole life, my childhood was traumatic and horrible, and I've always just stuffed everything down and never acknowledged yeah. it. So it's hard for me to acknowledge those feelings and like let them be and work yeah. through them. I don't know how to do that. But so, that's what that's why you're on this call. This is what we're gonna. Yeah. This is what we're learning right now, right? So you don't have to keep telling yourself that you can't do it and don't know how. Right. Right. You know right. how to deal with your son having a freak out, which is that you're like okay, I hear you, buddy. Like, you're very upset right now, <laughs> right? Like, I see that. I have compassion for that. But I'm, but I'm not like, we call it being in the pool. I'm not like believing all your thoughts about hand washing and, right. jumping, <laughs> and like jumping into this with you, right? I'm not going to mirror it with you. So right. that's what I really want to recommend you try. Like, can you practice? It's a skill. It won't be perfect the first time. Right. right. But can you practice holding that space for yourself? Okay. Because imagine if your son started to freak out and then you were like, oh God, I can't get these tantrums to go away. This is horrible. Like shove down, shove down. Right. You, it wouldn't work. Like, no. and that's what you're doing. Right. It would, and it would make him so much more agitated. Right. If you right. started screaming when he was screaming, now everybody's screaming. <laughs> now, <right? laughs> Just panic everywhere. Right. Now everybody feels worse and terrible. Now everything is five times worse than it was in the first place. Right. Right. Uh, I gotta guess I'd be more patient with myself and it's okay to feel that and just let it go. I I let it go. Letting go. Not let it go, but just like allow it to be there and try to practice having a little, like it's almost like practicing talking to yourself. It's kind of like, oh, I, I hear you. I see you're really freaked out right now. Mm -hmm. That's okay. This doesn't feel amazing. It's not my favorite, but like, but it's okay. These are just feelings. Like the the reason you don't freak out with your son is that you know that even though his pain is real for him, like, you know that he's going to be okay. Like it's going to pass. He's not actually in danger, right? Like he thinks washing his hands might kill him. Yeah. (laughs) It's like very real to him. He hates it. He says he yeah. hates the way he feels. Right. Like- and, he, and it's so real to him, but you yeah. know that he's not really in danger. And so you are able to just be like, okay, buddy, like, we're just gonna, it's okay. And that's what I want you to think about trying to practice with yourself, right? Rather than when your brain starts screaming, you're like, ah, I got to start screaming too. Now everybody scream, right? It's just like, okay, I hear you. Acknowledge like, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we think that our only options are resist something or completely believe it and validate that it's true. Right? That's what we think about our thoughts. 
And really the way out of that trap is what, you know, the Buddhists call it the watcher in meditation, but it's just the ability to observe your own thinking and to be like, oh, there's a middle ground of, I see that this is hard for me or that I'm having a lot of emotion. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to shove it away, but I'm also not like, it's like, we think, well, I'm feeling scared. So my thoughts must be really true and I must really be in danger. Right. As opposed to like with a child, we're like, oh, I see you're feeling scared. I actually know you're not in danger. Right. Right. But I don't scream at you about it. (laughs) I just try to like be kind to you. Right. And like reassure you, but I'm not buying into your thoughts. That's what I want you to practice. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. Practice parenting your own brain the way you parent. (laughs) Pretty much talk to the toddler part. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. I, I frequently am like, it's okay. I know you feel like I see you're really freaking out. Like, it's all right. I got you. Instead of just letting it take over. Yeah. We're either like smacking it or like trying to shove its head under the ground, <laughs> right? Or, yeah. Or just being like, well, you're in charge. Okay. That's yes, it. On the couch and not be functional today. Yeah. But it's like being with your, for your kid, just being like, all right, fine. You never wash your hands. You're right. It is dangerous, right? Or. Yeah. It's that middle ground. It's the rest of our lives. Exactly. Like, can I observe and try to hold that space? So that's what I want you to practice. Okay. Little, all right. Little self-compassion. We're not trying to, and not trying to get rid of it. It's just, we're humans. We're going to have negative emotions sometimes. Anytime we're like, anytime we're like, I got to get rid of this. Imagine if your thought about your son was, I have to make sure he never, ever has this thing about his hands again. Yeah. You'd feel so out of control because you can't control that. Right. Right. So, I mean, they're always going to be there. It's just managing them better. Yeah. And as you get more, I think as you get better, it's a skill. As you practice, like, allowing and holding that space for yourself, I do think, like, the intensity and duration will go down. Right. But we're not trying to get to zero. No. Nothing has gone wrong when they come up. No. It's just how your brains are. Right. And I just recently started listening to your podcast. And uh, I mean, even just over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed a huge difference. My palpitations have gone back to next to nothing. So that's I, awesome. So you already are doing the work. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, keep going. Difference, And I just, it, it's, it's going to take time and I have, to yeah, it's a skill totally, but you got this. Thank All you right. so much. You're welcome. Okay. There we go. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So we're talking about getting things done in quarantine, yeah? Yes, and it's still very applicable. I was hoping it wouldn't be <laughs> by the time the webinar I think it's applicable started. to everybody on the call, I'm so you're not to alone. Thank you so much for picking me. You're welcome. All right, so tell us what's happening. Studying. So uh, mm-hmm. you went to law school, right? So you, I did. you know all about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know what why but I for some reason I can't get myself to sit down and just do it and then when I sit down and just do it and try to I get distracted every five minutes and I'm just not getting anything done and there's this overwhelming feeling all the time and anxiety and and just kind of like a like a like a numbing frozen anxiety is the best way I could what are you anxious about I just I think I just really don't want to do it because I'm mm-hmm. so worried about like my family and Europe and whatever my brain tells me to worry about. Okay. So before COVID-19, 
Did mm-hmm. you always do all your work on time and you loved it and no. had no problem? <laughs> right. No, so. no, I've always had a problem with this. <laughs> right. So we just all have to be wise to our brains, right? Because now your brain can be like, listen, it's very important to worry about the state of the world and our parents' health. This is very legitimate, so we can't do our work, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> have to take it with a grain of salt because before COVID, it was like whatever it was worrying about instead, Right. We just mm-hmm. have to all for all of us, right? And I've I've said this a million times on the podcast by now. Whatever we're thinking now is what we were thinking before. But we need to the whole reason I keep stressing that is that it's when everybody else is freaking out, it's very easy to start to become very like gullible mm-hmm. towards our own brains and just be like, Oh, you're right. It's about health, so it's very serious and I can't do my work. It's true. Right. So why were you, before COVID, why were you not doing it? That would be, yeah, that would be the better question because I, I feel like that, I, I don't know what it is. I've been, I've been doing a lot of self-work with your mm-hmm. podcast and, mm-hmm. and just like CBT in general, mm-hmm. but I don't know, for some reason I can't get to the bottom of it. I know I want to be in school. I didn't go okay. straight out of high school. It was my decision. I'm taking mm-hmm. out the loans. I want to be in school. I want to mm-hmm. do it. I, I think I'm just in college right now in a smaller college. And I, I'm from Hungary originally. And, and there's mm-hmm. a really big prestige around like the name of your like big university. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that might be part of it. But I, I feel like it's such a small like shitty college or whatever. Like, oh, I don't have to put in the work. <laughs> You're like, like I'll just do a shitty job because it's a <laughs> shitty college. That's your... <laughs> That's my guess, but I, I really, I okay. really don't know. What's the, th- let's just like get down to really basics. Like, let's say it's time after this call to do your homework. Mm-hmm. What is the thought that you're going to have? That even if I get that one question done or that one assignment mm-hmm. done, there's still so many that it, it doesn't even, it doesn't matter because it's such a mm. small thing. I'm still going to fail all my courses and I'm going to oh, drop okay. out of school. And, yeah. Okay. We're going straight to fail all the courses and drop out of school. <laughs> Okay. Has it happened before? I did. I did okay. fail a couple of courses, and now I have to like okay. redo them, and it's a whole thing. And I'm like, oh, it's just going to happen again. And then some days, okay, like, oh, so you're just happening again. <laughs> but you kind of do because you're just repeating, right, the same cycle. So why did you, when you failed your courses the first time, why did you fail? What was the thought? I think I it got to a point where like I wasn't doing my work, and it was so much of it that I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just redo the course. Like I just gave right. up. Right. You're like, total perfectionist fantasy, right? You're like, I'll just start yeah, over. I think so. I think like see, I'm scared yeah. to call it that because I feel Oh no, hundred like percent. You were like, I'll just start over and then I'll do it perfectly. Yes, I'll, exactly. I'll have the same brain, but I'll just get a totally different result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do that, you know what? I do that every single morning. If I don't wake up at seven o'clock, which mm-hmm. is like my time when I want to wake up, I wake up at eight, nine, ten. Well, that's just uh, the whole day's ruined. Okay. Uh, what know, percentage of the time do you actually wake up at seven AM? Uh, ten. Okay. <laughs> well, with COVID, it's been a bit weird, but before COVID, it was uh-huh. actually pretty good. I would say like three to four days out of the week, I was up. Okay, that's fifty percent. Oh, sorry, work week. So three to so okay. like from Monday to Friday, three to four okay. days. Okay, yeah. fine. So let's say it's seventy percent. Mm-hmm. But you just yeah, know that consistently, you're going to do the seventy percent of the time. So you're just deciding ahead of time that 30% of the time, you'll just do nothing. Yes. it's <laughs> Yeah. Right. But it's just it's, important it's to like scary. own that because in your brain, you get, this is like perfectionism one, like you are a hundred percent in that perfectionist. Really? That's oh my so God. Crazy. Yes. I know you I think you're not because you're not perfect. I don't do like good enough work. Of course. Right? This is the thing so about perfectionism. Perfectionists, perfectionists really? oh have God. no idea that they're perfect. People who say they're perfectionists are not. 
Perfectionists are people who all think they're not perfectionists because they're not perfect enough. Yeah, that's literally. They're like, if I was a perfectionist, I would be more perfect. No. (laughs) Perfectionism is having this thought pattern of all or nothing, which is what you have. Which is totally how I have it with everything. Everything. Of course. The way you do one Mm -hmm. thing is the way you do everything, right? So it's like black and white thinking, all or nothing. I'm amazing or I'm terrible. If I didn't get up at 7 a.m., fuck the whole day, (laughs) right? This person either loves me or hates me. There's like oh, no, wow. yeah. Oh, there's like, even that. Okay, that's yeah. Crazy. All of it. It's all. I say that pattern. all the time. I'm like, of course, hey, that's the kind of person that you just like love or you, you love hate me or you hate no me. Yeah. yeah. No, in your brain, you're the kind of person who only loves and hates things because wow. that's the way that you're thinking about things. And I get called out on that all the time too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if you've listened to it, but I definitely want you to listen to the episode on perfectionist fantasies. I think I didn't even listen to it. Because of course, because like, oh, you're like, I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> okay. So let me give you the preview. You need to listen okay. to it. It's your whole life in one episode, mm-hmm. right? right? But that's the, amazing. <laughs> but the idea is that what perfectionists get sucked into this constant all or nothing because we just because we're so self-critical, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just think like, well, once I'm finally just perfect, that's when I'll be allowed to like be nice to myself or accomplish anything, mm-hmm. right? And so and we get addicted to the cycle. It feels so good to think about how we're going to be perfect in the future. And then oh, 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 the days I spent planning how to Oh, of course. That is perfect. That is that I'm doing the stuff. That is perfectionism in a nutshell, oh. is to have to spend a day doing a perfectly color-coded plan mm. that you secretly know you will not be able to keep more than two <laughs> or three days. But you get this like high from doing the plan because that's mm. the only moment that you allow yourself to think positively about yourself. You're like right. the future me who does this plan perfectly is finally gonna be good enough. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And then it's just this vicious cycle. So it's like you have work to do more than we can, right? We're not going to go from zero to a hundred on this call. But the biggest thing you have to learn is the most uncomfortable thing for perfectionists, which is like doing a B minus job and being okay with it. And I, wow, that's great. I have that quote from you, B minus and out the door. Yeah. Is that, is that how it goes? Exactly. My friend who, yeah. who introduced me to your podcast, she told me that all the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that doesn't really apply to me. Sure. Like, You're like, I'm yeah, already it's really terrible, good for so. others. And I could do it perfectly. Yeah. No. Right. You have to get used to doing a little bit at a time. Right. And mm-hmm. thinking, seeing the value in doing a little bit. So the other podcast I want you to listen to is Did you listen to the Infinite 1% one? I like I that your brain so. skipped over all the ones that would be relevant to you. Probably That's crazy. You, you listen to all the ones that are about like working harder, and you were like, "Yes, I need to work." Oh harder. yeah, and the make one another about, like, ambitious plan. How to not procrastinate and like put your phone away and get off yeah. of social media. Like yeah. I hide my phone all the time. Like just yeah, to, like, get off. Okay, of it. so I want you to listen to the Perfect. one percent also. Probably just listen to any of the ones that you skipped that you thought weren't about you. <laughs> just all of those are probably you. Infinite but the point 1%. of the infinite one percent is that. We think, especially perfectionists think, if you're not going to do it amazingly, there's no point, right? And we think Mm -hmm. the big difference is, but we think it's like people who do nothing, people who do a little, they're all down here. And then there's like the people who do it, all of it, they're the amazing ones. Oh, yeah. Right? And so, no, wrong. The biggest difference is between people who do nothing and people who do a little. That's the infinite difference. Mm -hmm. That's going from one category to another. Whether you do a little or a lot, that's just repetition. 
just my mind is just blown right now like I I like what well, I moved to Europe because I wanted to go to med school but I didn't even want to go to med school I just wanted to be a doctor because they do it all and, and so exactly cool. you're like if I were a doctor I'd get up at 7 a.m every day exactly <laughs> I would just right. love studying if I were there. right I would imagine my whole brain would just be totally changed no you have to change it on purpose little bit by little bit so the mm-hmm. infinite 1% is all about the difference between doing nothing and doing a little, okay? And you can also, look at, there's a great book. Well, I'll just tell you it because the book, oh, is, yes. the book is like 300 pages long and 297 pages of it are repetitive. <laughs> it's self-published, so mm-hmm. you know, nobody edited it. But it's called The Slight Edge. It's basically the concept of compound interest, right? Like looking at the mm-hmm. math on compound interest, it seems like it's nothing to save a penny a day. Mm-hmm. But if you are investing, it's like, I don't have the math atop my fingers, but the idea of compound interest, right, is that it's exponential. Or if you want a mm-hmm. terrible example, you could look at the COVID cases, right? The difference okay. between oh, exponential okay. growth of something small, mm-hmm. right? The same is true of taking small efforts. Like they add up exponentially, but mm-hmm. perfectionists just think it's not worth it until we are at that exponential level. We somehow think we can skip the part where you have to do the little bits that add up to it. That's, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. How do they not, oh my gosh, how do they not like realize this? It's well, because that's, the, I mean, the word perfectionism trips people up a lot. So you got a lot of good work to do, but the good news is now you know what the problem is. No, that's awesome. Right. There's so many resources out there on that. I see yeah. them all the time. I'm like, oh, good for them. Good you know me, don't get sucked into doing a ton of research and perfectionist planning. Instead of studying. Perfectionist. I just want you to, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to listen to those two podcast episodes Mm -hmm. and then I want you to come up with a thought you're going to practice like doing two problems is 200% more than doing zero problems or something like that, right? Like a thought that helps you do Mm -hmm. a little bit of work rather than everything or nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so cool that you have episodes on it too that I can listen right? to. That's the idea of B minus work for any, you know, for the rest, a lot of people listening have the same problem you have, right? Like I right. use this all the time when I was building my business. Like I can either not put anything out because it's not perfect and won't get me a hundred clients, in which mm-hmm. case I will have zero dollars. <laughs> or I could put something out that is maybe not amazing. Maybe I'll get one client that will still be at the time I was like doing one-on-one coaching, whatever. It's like, okay, but that'll be $2,000. Right. That's how crazy perfectionist brain is. It's like, if it's not perfect, it's not, I'd rather make zero than a hundred thousand. No, let's make a little first and then keep building on it. Right. That's how you you think that comes from like, just uh, worried about whatever other people judging you, you judging yourself. It's just like, who knows? It's, you know, it's genetic. It's how you're raised. Like the Mm -hmm. good news is like, I think it's identifiable and we know what the like treatment is, which is, Mm -hmm to practice and like really for yourself, like I used to do this all the time in my coaching practice. I would be like, okay, brain, let me just make sure I understand. What you're saying Mm -hmm. is it's better to definitely fail my class by doing no work (laughs) than to do 20 minutes of work and have a chance of not failing. Like, let's just be clear. That's what we're saying, right? Yeah. Like it's, it totally makes sense to spend a day on the couch because I woke up at 10 instead of seven. You're like, because I only have four hours to do things now, I'll do nothing. (laughs) <laughs> I'll start again tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll get up. Tomorrow it'll be perfect. Right. And that's why all of the like the work on your how you talk to yourself when you listen to those episodes, you'll see is all part of it. Because the only mm-hmm. reason we're like waiting for that perfection is like that's the when we when we imagine how perfect we'll be tomorrow, that's when we like stop shitting on ourselves for those few <laughs> moments. That's why they feel so good. <laughs> we have to learn how to stop doing that now. 
right? Otherwise, we'll keep chasing that. That's crazy. That's totally ties into my whole mental health situation lately too. It's just the whole like depressive balls because of all the harsh words that I tell myself about. Exactly. Yeah. All right. You got some good work to do. Thank you so (laughs) much. This is amazing. You're amazing. I'm sure at least half the people on this call have the exact same thought pattern, probably more. Yeah. Like working from home too. I I thought that this would be useful for everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Cara. Have a good day. Bye. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is my feminist coaching community for all things on Fuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying all these concepts I teach to your own life and learning how to do thought work to blow your own mind. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will change your life even more. It's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change everything. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we'll text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know about the clutch. 347-934-8861. Or again, just go online to www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I cannot wait to see you there.